Good morning, church. Good morning, church online. We're glad you're with us. Seems like every week something is different. Several years ago, I was in the process of trying to rebuild a church. And one of the strategies that I had was to try to get into the community, meet the community leaders, try to make connections with those significant leaders in that community. As it turns out, the mayor and I were at SMU at the same time. We didn't know each other, but we knew a lot of the same people. Around that common ground, we began to kind of exchange stories. I found out that he had grown up in a Methodist church, that he kind of drifted away from the church. I kept trying to get him to come, to recruit him. Finally, one Sunday, he shows up with his family. I was so excited. And, and he continued to come. He joined a Sunday school class. His kids got in, in different ministries. He was participating. He was promoting the church with his community connections. It was perfect. And then we made a mistake. The lay leadership committee and nominations saw fit to invite him to be on our, our board. He'd never served in a church committee or board before. At our first meeting, we were dealing with a difficult issue. I don't remember the issue, and sometimes it's not the issue that's important. It's the argument and the heated nature of how, how sometimes things get out of control. And... The next morning, he comes by my office. He said, John, I've got some bad news for you. My family and I are going to be leaving the church. I said, what? I said, you've got to be kidding me. He said, no. He said, "Uh, last night was pretty difficult for me. He said, I've served on the city council. I've served on, on school board committees. I've served in different service clubs. And... That was tough last night. I want my church to be different. Well, I was showing my inexperience because I thought that everyone knew that we're an organization. We're an organization of people. We have different opinions. We disagree. We work things through. I had no idea the impact that it was making on him as he was growing spiritually. I began to really think through, maybe we ought to be different. We are called to be different. Um, One of our values as a church is we value connected community because life is better together. People today are hungry for community. And I think especially now as we're going around with masks and nobody can see our smiles. And, and, and there are those who are, who are afraid to get out now because the, the infection rate is being reported over and over. People need community. 80% of those who are involved in churches in our area say that one of the primary reasons why they got involved in that church because of a connection, because of community. We need community. And not just any kind of community, but we were made for sacred community. We value connected community because we are better together. Life is better together. That's what I want to talk about today. 
Let's pray. Lord God, may the words of my mouth, may the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. Our strength, our Redeemer, hide me behind the cross of God that these words would be your words. And for all that you would have me say that I don't, Lord, I pray that you would spiritually step in the gap that we may hear your word today. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to look at the first few verses of 1 Corinthians and then do a kind of a general overview of Paul's message to the church at Corinth. As you know, by looking at your Bible, there are two letters. Actually, there may actually have been three letters, and the fragments that were gathered together were kind of collected and put together into these two letters. What is important is the message. Uh, Paul begins with these words in verse 2. He says, To the church of God that is in Corinth. Paul refers to this group gathered in Corinth as a church. The Greek word translated church is ecclesia. Ecclesia. And and it's used 116 times in the New Testament, primarily by Paul, three times by Jesus. It's used to describe this gathering, this sacred gathering that is the church. It comes from two words, ek, meaning from and to, and kaleo, which means sent. Literally, together, it means to call out to something. And when we expand the meeting as it refers to our gathering, it's understood as a people called out of the world to God. We're called out of the world to be God's people. We're called out of the world to the ways of God. And we are different. This connected community is different in the the way we do things, the way we gather, the way we care for each other, the way we see the community, and the way we reach out to our community. There are other groups in our community, nonprofits, uh, uh, political groups, there are uh, service groups, but we are distinctive in the way we do our work. If we're called out of the world to God, we are different. We are different. Paul continues to speak directly in a a positive way to those in Corinth. He says there in verse 2, he says, To those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints. He refers to them as sanctified. Now, a little later on, we're going to see the irony of, of Paul referring to them as sanctified. Because right now, he's calling them to a particular behavior. To be sanctified in this sense is to be made holy. To be made in such a way that we leave behind the ways of the world and relate to each other differently. The Greek root word is hagazo. Hagazo. And, and it's used in two different terms. It's used first as a verb, translated sanctified. And then it's used as a noun, translated saint. Um, to be sanctified. To be sanctified is, 
is not by our own ability, but by the presence of God that changes our behavior, that changes our spirit, that changes who we are through Christ Jesus. And then to be a saint, we have an identity. We have a, a, a place. Now, I know what you're thinking. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, I don't feel like a saint. Anybody agree with that? Nobody agrees with that? What about you online? Do we have any? Neither do I. There's so many times when somebody says to me, saint, the saints of God, I go, are you kidding me? The reason for that is we're saints not by our own ability, but by the presence of Christ. It's not by who we are, it's whose we are. Sanctified to be saints. In the presence of Christ, we are different. Now, in verse 10, we're going to start making a shift here. Paul gets to the thesis and reason for this letter. In verse 10, he says that all of you may be in agreement and that there be no divisions among you, but that you be united in the same mind and same purpose. Uh, This is a pretty common uh, tactic by Paul. He'll start out by being positive. You know, you are the church, sanctified and saints. And then he gives them the correction. Here comes the correction. Literally, the word division is schisma, from which we get our word schism. And it means to be torn apart. That there be no divisions among you. There were divisions in the church at Corinth. They were arguing about status and position. Who had the most money? Who should be first in line to get communion? Who could get the most at the meals? Who had the most important gifts? Who was to be, who was to be in charge? If there was some issue, they were arguing, blaming, and positioning. Here's some of the issues that Paul names in Corinth as he deals with this church. There were disagreements over morality, pride, lawsuits, marriage, food laws, self-indulgence, idol festivals, the role of women, the Lord's Supper, and the importance of spiritual gifts. And we thought the church today was divided. (laughs) I mean, for goodness sakes, I mean, they make us look united. They had serious problems. They were divided and continuing, continuing to argue. In, in chapter 4, verse 21, Paul addresses them this way. He says, Am I to come to you with a stick or with a spirit of gentleness? Now, I, I don't know about you, but that sounds like a threat to me. You know, am I to come to you with a stick or with a spirit of gentleness? In other words, are you going to listen to me or not? Are you going to pay attention to what it means to be the church, the ecclesia called out of the world to the ways of God? Are you going to be different? 
I wonder what Paul would say to the church today. I wonder what Paul would say to us. Are we the connected community that Christ calls us to be? Now, the short and long answer to that is, no, we are not. We'll never achieve the connected community that God calls us to be. But if we are on the road, if we are doing all within our power, if we are seeking God's way and God's presence, I think that's what, that's what God wants from us. To do all we can to be the ecclesia, the church. Toward the end of the letter in chapter 12, Paul begins to kind of un, uh, to, uh, to give us a formula for what this connection community is like. Through the first 11 chapters, he talks about the disagreements, and he tries to clear some things up for them, giving them some direction on those disagreements. And then with chapter 12, he starts talking about unity. He starts talking about oneness. Ecclesia, the church. He says that unless you do what you do out of love, it means nothing. That's chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians, the love chapter. And what I hear Paul saying here is that how we do what we do is important as what we do. Those outside the church, that family, and by the way, I did convince them finally to come back. I just didn't put him on any more committees. Uh, they're watching how we do our work. Do we truly love one another? We are united in the body of Christ. Not in what we do in the body. All things are to be shared in love. No ability or gift or opinion means anything unless it's shared in love. Now, let me just say this. that I, I don't believe that Paul is trying to say we shouldn't have differing opinions. We're human beings. Paul recognizes those different opinions. If you look through, the, look through 1 Corinthians, you'll see how he, how he affirms their different opinions. Paul doesn't deny our humanity or our differences. What he does is lift up faith in Christ. What he does is lift up the way of love. What he does is to put together a formula for this connected community. For we are not like other organizations. Here, here is, uh, as I look at 14, uh, 12 through the end of the chapter, the formula. First, trust. Trust is the foundation. Unless we trust each other, we've got a long way to go. If there are those where there are places or those where trust is breaking down, we are called of Christ to address those and, and to deal with those. We see our work through the lens of faith, hope, and love. Second, focus. In some ways, this is our tactic. In some sense, if we were to speak in, in, uh, in business terms. The, the problem in the church today is that we often try to do too much. Our 
task is to focus upon making disciples of Jesus Christ and helping people grow in our faith. And everything we do should be focused upon that. Three, common good. That's our work. Three times in those chapters, he refers to the common good, to work for the common good. That's our work. Uh, With positive anticipation, let us support one another and let us work for the common good within the body as well as within the community. Fourth, encourage. Encouragement is the glue. It is our aim to encourage one another, to lift each other up. Life is hard enough as it is without walking in the doors and feeling like you have, have a battle to fight here. To encourage one another. Who are those who need that encouragement in our body? It is the glue. And finally, unity is our goal. Paul in one place clearly states that unless it brings unity to the body, it is not of the Spirit. Now, that's a tough word. Because there are some things that we have to look at and go, no, that is not a part of our doctrine. That is not a part of, 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 the, of the rule of Christ. That is not a part of the truth of the Scriptures. And even in the midst of that, how can we denounce and yet at the same time bring unity? Unity. There is no church without unity. We are sanctified to be saints by the presence of God to be the church. A God-connected community because we are better together. Dr. W.J.A. Powers, uh, late Dr. W.J.A. Powers, um, great Old Testament professor and Hebrew scholar, would go around in churches and try to help them understand how to teach the Old Testament uh, to, to the church. And, and his, his process was a series of questions that you would kind of draw people out as they experienced the Scriptures. In one particular church, I heard him talking about how the, the people were really getting into it. They had small groups. They had training groups. And they were really beginning to, 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 uh, to, to open up the Old Testament, particularly Genesis, because that was the focus of the week. And then one lady said, you know, this works fine for adults, but what about kids? What, what about our children? Does this work for children? And he said, you know, he offered to teach the elementary class on Sunday morning. He said, let's see what happens. And, and on that Sunday morning, he told the story of, of the creation of the world, of how God made Adam and God made Eve and, and, the, and, the, and the dialogue between them and how excited that Adam was to see Eve. And he turns to the boys and girls and he says, boys and girls, what, is, what does this tell you about God? The little boy raised his hand. He said, okay. And the little boy said, God loves us. Dr. Power said, okay. How do you know that God loves us? Because he saw that Adam was alone and that's not the way life should be. And so he gave us each other. 
couple of the teachers were sitting in the back and their mouth dropped open. Out of the mouth of a child, God loves us and provides us with each other, from, with those around you, with those online, to say, I love you so much. I give you each other. I give you each other. So now trust. Focus on the things of God, upon the discipleship of Jesus. <sighs> Work for the common good. Encourage. And no matter what it takes in love, be unified. In the Gospels, one of my favorite chapters in all the Gospels is chapter 6 of John. In chapter 6, he feeds the 5,000. Then he makes this statement. He says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. That passage rings as Jesus celebrates the Passover meal with his disciples. As he takes that meal and shifts it to a meal of grace and forgiveness. And, and he says to his disciples, he says, do this in remembrance of me as often as you gather together. In other words, what Jesus was saying is, I want you to practice gathering together. I want you to practice coming and sharing in my body and blood. I want you to take from the bread of life that you would no longer be spiritually hungry or thirsty, but that you would live in life. Today, we, we come for Holy Communion. And that's our, that's our practice. We practice it over and over and over again. To be with Jesus. To be with each other. To be the ecclesia. Called out to the things of God.